Nothing was made that has ever been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I'm going to keep reading, but I want to just stop here. I love this first part of scripture. That word, word the, the word in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This is an interesting Greek term. It's the term logos, or logos. And it basically means the divine wisdom of God. It means the divine wisdom of God. So when you read in Proverbs, they often personify the person wisdom. And they say, you know, seek wisdom for he has riches and things like that. There's a personification of wisdom. And so we look in the beginning of John's book, the biography of Jesus, and he says the divine wisdom that stretched throughout all of eternity back, present, and forward, the one that knows all things and is wise beyond measure, was with God, and the word was God. And this is how they tee up Jesus. It wasn't just that Jesus came as a gift of all mankind, as a baby coming in human flesh. That's kind of okay, but when you think about it as the divine wisdom, the divine logos of God, that was God from all eternity past to all eternity future, that's the one who decided to say, I'm the one that's going to give a gift to humanity. Emmanuel, God with us, on this day, I'm going to give the best gift to the world that the world has ever experienced. It wasn't just the gift of a baby that was going to be a spectacular baby or another prophet or another special person in time. This was God taking on human flesh to give the best gift that the world could ever imagine. In verse 6, it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh, and his dwelling was among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I have spoken about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, is in closest relationship with the Father. He's the one who has made him known. And so at the beginning, we, say that, we see that Jesus, the birth of Jesus, John wants to start out saying, 
This isn't just any person. This is the divine wisdom of God sent into the world. And then John the Baptist says, hey, this is the one that has become before me. Even though John was older than him, he was recognizing that Jesus was the eternal one, the one that had come before him. This isn't just any gift to the world. And the thing that's crazy about Jesus and that I was reflecting on as we were coming into this service is that oftentimes I love giving gifts to my children. I love to buy them stuff, and I love to hold them, and I love to do all this stuff for them. But Jesus didn't just send gifts into the world, or, or God didn't just send gifts into the world, right? Think of all of his divine power, what he could have sent into the world. He could have sent messengers in any form. He could have sent angelic beings and said, okay, now's the time. Go give gifts to the world, and deploys angels all over the world to go and bring gifts all over the world of any kind. Revelation, mysteries of heaven, pick your favorite gift, your new bike, whatever, you know, whatever it is. But God is so crazy, he didn't choose to express himself in any one of those ways. Instead, he decided, I'm going to send my son. The gift is going to be me. The gift isn't going to be something that's monetarily costly or that, that will show my great majesty in the sense that I can send a legion of angels. He sends his very son into the world. The greatest gift that we could ever imagine, he sends that because it's better than anything else that he could send. I remember this one time I was out on campus and I was uh, talking to this, this individual and this guy happened to not believe in God. And so we got into a conversation and, uh, and we started talking about it and I said, you know, what would it look like, in, from your perspective, for God to reveal himself to humanity? Right? What would it look like if God was to reveal himself to humanity? And the guy kind of sits there and thinks. He took it, like, I was pretty proud of him. He took it pretty seriously. He kind of sits there and thinks. And he goes, well, I think that God would probably send a person because how else would we reflect with that person? How else would we relate to them? You know, if it was like a, a great angelic being, like, we wouldn't be able to really relate with them. So it'd probably be a person, so they'd be relatable. But they'd be distinguished in a certain kind of way. And, and so you'd know that they were special, you know, so they'd probably do some crazy stuff, you know, some stuff that nobody else could do. And I'm sitting there, like, watching this thing unfold, and the, the guy didn't know that he was basically explaining the gospel message to me. He, he didn't, he had no idea. And so he continues on. He goes, and then he'd probably do some things like while he was there where he's, he's actually showing who God is. Like he communicates to us in a way where like we really get a picture of who God is. And, and I'm standing there like, when do I break the news? Like how do you, you know, like how do you follow up with this one? And so at the end of it, I just said, I said, do you know the gospel message? Like, do you know the story of Jesus and why he came to this earth? And at that point, it kind of clicked in, and the guy had heard enough of it that he's like, oh, like hand in the cookie jar type moment. But it was like, I was listening to him say this, and I was like, first of all, this is the Spirit of God giving him wisdom as he's saying this, right? Like, this does not come just by human wisdom. But I was like, oh my gosh, God, your ways are perfect. Like, Christmas is such the season where we get to celebrate the brilliance of God. And the more I walk with him, the more I realize that his ways are so much higher than our ways. But when we get a glimpse of them, 
we go, oh my gosh, your ways are so much better. They're so perfect. Like you, you do it the way that you do it because it's perfect. And on Christmas, it's the ultimate time to reflect on the ways of God being so different than our ways. Like who sends God in human flesh to be born in a manger as like kind of a child in poverty to two normal parents that aren't really special in any way except for their heart is for God. And like grown up, grow up as a normal teenager, right? And like, who does that? That is not at all what I would dream up. But God is so brilliant in everything that he does. And you step back and you look at the Christmas story and I go, man, not only is this just a crazy expression of love, but it's an expression that your ways are so different than my ways. And you just do it in a way that's like, it's just mind-blowing. You send the divine wisdom of God in the form of a baby sitting in a manger where some shepherds come in and like worship him. It's like, that's not how I draft this up. But he gives Jesus as the gift to the world. He doesn't just send a gift like an angel or something else monetary. He says, Emmanuel is my gift. And this is the other expression that we must get on the Christmas season, is what does Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. It means God with us. In the passage that we read, it says the gift of Jesus was grace and truth. And it says his name in Isaiah chapter 7 will be called Emmanuel, God with us. What's going on here? How is he giving grace and truth and also colliding with this name called Emmanuel? He's called Emmanuel, God with us, because he's the God who draws near. Like if if the birth of Jesus doesn't tell us anything else, it tells us this. He is hugely interested in being all up in humanity. You know, we were singing, singing this worship song that talked about how he entered a world that's just so messed up, right? It's all torn up. And he creates people to love one another and to, to worship him and to have creation work. And then we just kind of screw it up. But instead of leaving us over there in our mess and having him over here, in heaven saying, wow, that's a huge mess you've made down there of your life. You know that, you know, like, all the, your personal life that's in shambles, and you know all the people around you that are in shambles, and you know your systems that are in shambles, and all the hurt and pain in the world, that is a huge mess that you've made over there. Like, good luck cleaning that up. Right? It's at that moment that God draws near to humanity in the form of Jesus, sending God into the world to be grace and truth, not only to tell us the truth of who God is so that we can find him, but also providing the way that there can be reconciliation with God. Emmanuel, God with us, isn't just a fun name of like, oh yeah, God with us. It's an amazing statement of like, God is not the far off God that oftentimes we think he is. Christmas is the season where ultimately God says, Emmanuel, God with us, I'm in this. I will get up in your mess. I will jump right in the center of your mess. And I'll come in whatever form I need to come before I'll let this this thing exist as it exists and you separate from me for eternity without knowing who I am. And it says in this John passage that he came as life. And he says, before 
You live your life apart from life before you live your life the whole way through where it just, you just know there's something wrong, that you're separated from life. Before that's going to happen, I'm going to enter into your mess and I'm going to show you the path to life. I'm going to show you who God is and then I'm going to provide the way for you to be reconciled to him. That's grace and truth. Grace, providing the means for us to be reconciled to this amazing God. And truth, him showing us the way. This is who God is. This is who I'm talking about. And then the passage talks about it. It's really interesting because the, 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 the verbiage is absolutely giving and receiving of gifts. It talks in verse 16 about giving. It talks in verse 17 about giving. It talks in verse 16 about receiving it's all over, all over this passage. It's this idea of the giving and receiving. And it's like God offers this gift in the form of his son, of God with us, God drawn near. And what he brings with him is grace and truth, the means by which we can be reconciled to God and the path to find him. And those are the gifts that he gives. And it says that anybody who chooses to receive him, he gave another gift. So it's the gift of Jesus. Jesus comes with the gift of grace and truth. And then anybody who chooses to receive him gets another gift. The privilege and the right to be called a son of God, a daughter of God. Not just like, hey, you snuck in the back door. It's a right. That's what it says in the scriptures. It's the right. He goes from, you have the right to be enemies with God to Jesus steps on the scene with grace and truth, and he says, you have the right to be a son of God. Is there anything more majestic and privileged in all of eternity than to be able to be called a son of God? Is there any greater gift that could possibly be dreamed up than to be said, yeah, come into my family? Come and live life as a son of the king. Come and live life as the one who gets to be shepherded by the ultimate shepherd, to be provided for by the ultimate provider, to be healed by the ultimate healer, to be taught by the ultimate teacher. Like all that you get from a father or from all of those other analogies, Jesus came as the gift, Emmanuel, God with us, bearing grace and truth, bringing the gift that we get to be reconciled with God and get to be called sons and daughters of God. And so it's fitting that we spend Christmas giving gifts. It's fitting that this is the reflection of who God is. The one who, in John chapter 1 and all over the scriptures, it's just who he is. He's just so crazy generous. I heard this, this said once, and I loved it. It was talking about God, and it was talking about how uh, on Christmas, what parents will often do for their kids is they'll give gifts, or they'll, they'll give their, par- their kids money to then buy gifts for their parents. You know what I mean? So it's like, nobody's listening to me at all right now. All I see are smiles on your faces and looking at my kids like, <laughs> look at them go. I know, I, I don't blame you. Um, but like, 
the, the parents give things to their children so that they get the privilege of giving something back to their parents. Like, how cool is this, right, as an idea? And this is like absolutely what Christmas is all about for God. He gives us provision in a number of different ways. Maybe you're not loaded monetarily, but even the breath in your lungs is a gift of God that you then get the privilege of coming in here and singing worship songs and being like, you've given me this such that I get the honor of giving this back to you. You've given me these finances, whether they're great or whether they're small, you've given me them such that I can honor your name by entering into this gift-giving season where I get to pick somebody you love and go, here you go. Here's the glory of God displayed through this action that we get to do. The glory of God is just the nature of God revealed. And so we see the glory of God everywhere, including in our gift giving. So if you missed it and you gave a gift to somebody this season, congratulations. You get to operate in the glory of God. You got to express his will because he's such a good father that he delivers provision to you such that you can then turn and go like, God, I know that you care about nothing more than to give to people. So much so that in the Bible it says, I remember the day that you visited me in prison and you brought me a cup of water. That was amazing. I remember when I was hungry and you fed my belly. That was awesome. I remember when, when I was lonely and you came and visited me. That was so special to me. And you say, I don't remember doing any of that stuff, God. And he goes, just like you did to each one of these, you've done that to me. If that's the case, imagine how special Christmas is to God. It's the day where we all step into the nature of God, where we put on our generosity, and we're like, oh, I love you, gift. Like, oh, I love you, gift. And it's this season where you become selfless, looking out and being like, oh, this is such a privilege to give. And we step into the very nature and the glory of God based upon the provision that he's given us. The thing that I'll close with is that one of the things that strikes me most out of this passage is how it repeatedly talks about this theme of receiving. Out of his fullness, that's a lot of fullness, out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Yet all who did receive him receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the, the right to be children of God. The thing that I want to end with is there's this major thing in the kingdom of God about receiving. And I think sometimes on holiday seasons, we find out who are the people who are really probably too good at receiving, and then probably the ones that can't receive all that well. Right? Like, you get the people that are like, shamelessly like, yes, more gifts! I'd put my couple of those two in that category. It's like rip into one box, throw it to the side, rip into the next one, right? Like they have no problem receiving gifts. And then there's others of us, especially with God, who have a really hard time receiving the gifts that he wants to give to us. 
Because once we get older, there's some analysis behind it. Once we get older, it's kind of like the, well, I don't really deserve this stuff. Like, do I deserve that Jesus came for me to reveal the will of God? Do I deserve that he put me in this church today to hear revelation and to, to be able to worship? Do I deserve today the gifts that I'm getting from my family? Do I deserve whatever it is? And sometimes it's hard for us to believe that God would want to be a gift flipper like that. And when we can't fathom it, then we put it in the category of, I just can't receive that. And I'd say most often the number one thing that stands in the way of people living in the greater life that God would have them to live, the abundant life that he talked about in John chapter 1, the thankfulness that comes with understanding who God is always, every moment of our life, he has the radical generosity like he did the day that he put his son in human flesh. This, is, this wasn't a one-time event where it's like, okay, here's a gift. Oop, now I pulled him back 33 years later, right? Now you're, now you're out of my graces. No, no, no. Like this is the pathway to be called sons and daughters of God such that you're in a constant state of receiving from him. The, the crazy generosity that he showed on Christmas Day by sending his son in a time where we least deserved it is the same grace and truth that he provides to us every single day. And it's our great joy in life to live with this as a father. To live with this as our father. My dad, growing up, was super generous. Crazy generous. Like, on Christmas days, man, it was... I was going to say like Christmas, but that doesn't really work, right? <laughs> it was crazy. Like there was stockings piled up and there was gifts coming out of the, under the tree and like there was love and there, I mean, it was amazing. And his minuscule form of generosity is nothing compared to our Heavenly Father. Nothing. Take the most radical display of gift-giving and generosity that you could possibly fathom up from father to child and meditate on that and realize you're not even close. And if there's nothing that Christmas tells us, it's these things. That he's crazy generous. That he's uninterested in staying far off that he only provides the best gifts, that he extends grace and truth and love constantly, and his heart is dying for humanity to receive the gifts that he's offering. Because right when you're able to receive them, you have something to give away. He wants you to operate in his image. He wants you to operate in a place of generosity. But what are you going to give when you don't have any love? What are you going to give when you're in crisis mode all the time? So he's looking at us going, receive. Receive so that you can, so you can enter into the fullness of life that I have for you. The areas of shame and things in your life that you don't like or the, the depression or the condemnation that you feel or whatever it is, that leaves as I enter. 
Receive me. I'm the best gift that there is. Receive me and live out of the fullness of life that comes from that. That is Christmas. The gift of God come into the world. Whoever receives this gift of God lives in grace and truth and earns, earns how far from that, gets the right to be called the son of God. And that's what we celebrate in this season. That's why we're here. That's why we give gifts. That's why we sing worship songs. That's why we know that Jesus is the only way. He's just the only one worthy to center life around. And so enter into this season with me. Get good at receiving from God. Get good at being thankful for all that he gives. Simplify it down again to grace and truth. What does grace mean? It means God's riches at Christ's expense. It means his unmerited favor towards you. Unmerited favor. At the time when the least, the world probably least deserves it, Emmanuel, God with us, here's God in flesh to show you the way. That's the same, same person he is today. It's the same person that we'll get the privilege of following tomorrow. And as we receive him, it's the same person that we'll get the privilege of following all of eternity. Learning to be like him, falling in love with him more and more, realizing he's better than we could ever ask or imagine. And this is just one of those days where we get to stop and remember it every year and go, oh yes, Emmanuel, that is who you are. So let's, uh, let's stand together, and I've got some things I'd like to pray, pray over us. Then I'll release us to go on and enjoy our families and enjoy our, our day. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the direction that you give us to create days of remembrance for this very reason. God, that sometimes we just forget even the most profound and basic truths about you. And so, Lord, I just thank you for days like this where we get to stop and we get to reflect and we get to say, oh yeah, that's what this means. And God, what I ask for this group, God, is that you would make us amazing at receiving the gift of your son. God, I pray that anything that would try to stand in the way of receiving the gift of your son, God, I pray that you'd come against it with all the forces of heaven. God, such that life would no longer be cut off from any of us in any way. I pray for the fullness, all the riches of your glory, God, towards the people here, God, that nothing would stand in the way, God, that we would know who you are deeply, lay down our lives before you, and get to revel in the life that you provide 
as you being the king and us being your son and daughter. So God, on this Christmas day, I thank you, God, that we get to see the very glory of God in action, which is gift-giving left and right. And God, I pray that it would remind us in this season of how generous and how crazy kind and how just for humanity you are such that you would leave heaven, you would come with this crazy plan that we don't really understand, and you'd come and you'd reconcile the world to you. Thank you that you are the ultimate gift giver. Thank you, God, that we get the privilege as we receive you to live in your glory and to live in your generosity towards a world that desperately needs it. God, that's what life is about, and we thank you that you provide that life. It's found in your son, and it's found in the grace and the truth that he brought. And so we give you all of the glory, God. I pray that joy would abound in this place. I pray that thanksgiving would explode in people's hearts as they leave this place. And God, that, they, that we would have a, a clearer sight of truly the reason for this season, God. And that you would make us thankful people that understand the amazing grace that we sit under. So we give you all of the glory and we give you all of the honor. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.